So today we are exploring the second week of our devoted series where we are diving deeper into one of the key devotional practices of being a follower of Jesus, and that is fellowship. You know, two weeks ago, Pastor Chris invited us to move into a mature faith that perseveres in everyday life and the role that prayer plays in this. And like prayer, listening to and reading the Word of God is a rhythm that Jesus followers devote themselves to. So last week we learned about the importance of meditating on God's Word. Like a tree planted by streams of living water, a person rooted in God's Word is fruitful and successful. In Acts 2 and verse 42, it reads, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. This is our key verse for this series. And alongside prayer and the word, an important spiritual devotional practice of the early church was fellowship. I want to share with you today what fellowship is in the biblical sense and why it is still just as important for us to embrace as believers today as it was in the early church. Let's pray and commit this time to God before we begin today, church. Lord, thank you for your word that brings truth and light and understanding. Thank you for every single person here today that you bring fresh revelation to every heart as we explore your word and encourage one another. In Jesus' name, amen. First of all, I want to put fellowship in the overall picture of God's story. Fellowship is what God is all about, and it is woven through God's story from beginning to end. You know, God is in fellowship with himself. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit existed before the beginning of time. God enjoys a generous, fulfilling, self-giving relationship within the Trinity. And it is out of a desire to share this relationship that God created human beings in his image. He lovingly created us to join in this fellowship he has within himself. In Genesis, we read the account of God creating man and woman, of the time they spend together in the garden, God enjoying intimate fellowship with man and man enjoying this relationship with God and man and woman enjoying relationship with one another. But the fellowship is broken. The Lord of the Rings. The fellowship is broken. Tolkien is so clever. The fellowship is broken when Adam and Eve choose to decide for themselves between good and evil. As we know, sin enters the world and this fellowship is forever broken. Or so we think. Immediately, God puts his redemption plan into action, sending his son, Jesus, to repair the fellowship of mankind with God. In the meantime, throughout the Old Testament, we see God choosing a people, the Israelites, with whom he shares a relationship with. And their leaders and prophets, you know, from Enoch to Abraham to Moses and David and all the prophets, God speaks to and enjoys fellowship with 
and lays a pathway for Jesus. But not everyone has access to God. Then we see our King Jesus arriving on the scene. He flips the tables quite literally and shows the religious establishment what the laws of Moses were about all along to bring everyone closer to God. Jesus himself restores the connection of fellowship between God and mankind for taking on all the blame for why it was broken in the first place. Then we see after Jesus' resurrection, he spends time with his disciples, then ascends to heaven and the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within every believer, making each person a temple of God's presence. We sang about that this morning. And Jesus' communities form. They have all this in common, a place where people can encounter God's love, grace, generosity, and healing presence. In other words, where the kingdom of heaven is on earth. Then the, the disciples are scattered. The gospel message spreads and churches spring up. And a new convert, Paul, spreads the news of Jesus far and wide, building new Jesus communities wherever he goes. And much of the New Testament we know is devoted to Paul's letters to churches, reminding them of the true outworking of fellowship. Then we reach the end of the Bible, a reminder that our Lord Jesus will return. And when he does, we will enjoy the truest and most intimate form of fellowship with our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in eternity. Goodness, I'm in awe at how God went to such incredible lengths so that we can enjoy fellowship he has within himself, with him and with one another. It's absolutely amazing. And on that note, let's return to our key verse and the second part of what I want to share today here in Acts 2 with the early church. We're going to read a little bit before and after to give us some context You know, Peter here has given the preach of all preachers. A huge amount of people come to make a decision in their heart to follow Jesus. And the Jesus community explodes in numbers. So let's read from verse 38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Paints the most amazing picture of the early church. After a bit of research, I discovered that fellowship 
in Greek is the word koinonia. That's how we think it's said, but you know, I'm very open to being wrong. And it's usually translated as communion, uh, fellowship or sharing. Koinonia and a similar word koinos are used in this passage. Luke, who is the author of the Gospel of Luke and of Acts, lists four devotional practices and then describes them in more detail. In verse 42, fellowship is koinonia and can be translated as shared participation. And in verse 44, where it reads, they had everything in common, the Greek word koinos is used and can be translated as shared in common. So in its expanded form, Luke describes to us in verse 44 and 45 that fellowship is about sharing, sharing our time, our space, and our stuff. This selfless fellowship requires faith and trust in God. Wouldn't you agree? To share and participate in community, we need to continually believe in the unlimited resources of our Father in heaven. Now, Jesus showed us time and time again that he can miraculously make a lot out of not much. For example, feeding multitudes with one boy's lunch in John chapter 6. No, church, as we share our time, our homes and our possessions, we need to continually trust in God that these resources will continue to find. You know, I know for me and my family, there are countless times people in this community have shared their time to help us, their homes to host us, and their possessions to bless us. And I know many of you will have your stories too. You know, I I remember a time not long after my husband Nathan spent about four months in and out of hospital. He was still really unwell and couldn't even spend much time on his feet, let alone consider doing the gardening. And then we had this property inspection coming up here. Who know, who rents and knows the fear <laughs> that, that comes upon you when you get an inspection note? Kirsty's laughing. She understands. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this place has got to be spotless. After a warm summer, the garden had just exploded. And it was, it was such a daunting task to me, you know, with three little kids in tow. I just could not have done it on my own. Mason and I asked a few people if they'd help us out one Saturday morning. And this entire army came to our home and, you know, I, the lawn was mowed. The jasmine that had taken over the fence was cut back. All the weeds were gone. And we lived in this it was a huge property with this really small house so there was so much garden and you know after a few solid hours work everything was done even the fruit trees were pruned back and on top of this Fricky came I think every fortnight for ages and mowed our lawn so we didn't even have to worry about it you know this is just one of many self-giving acts of loving generosity my family and I have received in fellowship. I know in this church, every time someone moves house or becomes unwell or loses a loved one, experiences a job loss, 
and even celebrating successes, our community gathers around and gives generously. We even give generously with people we don't know, but God calls us to love, like people experiencing homelessness and getting help through the Hutt Street Centre or experiencing domestic violence and receiving assistance through the Eastern District's Domestic Violence Service. These generous acts all serve to bind our hearts together and build trust, which in turn builds community and generosity flows. Mason and I were talking about the intricacies of fellowship, of true fellowship, And we were talking about the fact that emotional generosity and trust also needs to flow within fellowship because to have true fellowship within a community, you need to be vulnerable and open. I stumbled upon this quote by Dr. Tony Evans and it goes like this. I hear people say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And you know what? They are absolutely right. Salvation is through faith alone in Christ alone. But you don't have to go home to be married, but stay away long enough and your relationship will be affected. (laughs) We're all giggling because it's true, right? There wouldn't be much of a marriage. I think it's the same with fellowship. And I think I might be brave to say it, but it's true. I think it's possible for someone to be in community but not in fellowship. We have to be brave. We have to be brave to enter this kind of relationship, to surrender, right? Which is more than just turning up to church. It is allowing ourselves to be open to love, open to hurt in turn, right? Because we're not perfect. God is working on all of us and working through all of us. And unfortunately, hurt and offence can lead to isolation where the devil does his best work and I am the first to admit that has happened to me. But this is where love and forgiveness need to flow generously in human fellowship just as it flows from God to us. Right? That's what I realised. God is not asking any more of us than he gives us generously. And it's not easy. I am the first to admit that. It is not easy. Our sin nature's instinct is the opposite to generosity. It is to withhold, to save, even to hoard. Withhold ourselves and our stuff, our time, Living in the light of God's generosity is like a river that flows. And God is asking us to jump in. And let me encourage you in this. God is greater in you than the temptations we face in the world. That's from 1 John 4.4. We are created in the image of God, the most generous person in the universe, So the instinct to be generous is so much stronger than anything else when Jesus is alive in us. And gosh, the results are amazing. We have a relationship with a generous God and generous people. 
We know a joy and a peace not found anywhere else. We have authentic, secure, loving relationships. We're not perfect, but we grow together in love. We're not afraid. We experience the same kind of selfless, unconditional love that God experiences within himself, within the Trinity. And by partnering with God in fellowship with him and one another, we are extending an invitation of fellowship to all humankind. Let's remember this. Jesus gave his life so that we could be reunited in fellowship, in relationship with our Father in heaven, so the Holy Spirit could dwell in us and we could share in a fulfilling life together. As a church, as a fellowship, we are the expression of God's presence here on earth. And, you know, we are coming up to a time, as Kirsty and I were talking about before, that the world is aware that Jesus exists. Christmas time. What a wonderful opportunity to invite people into our community to show them what the message and fellowship of Jesus is all about. In an article I read about fellowship, yes, I did lots of research, this quote stood out to me. King Jesus shared like a servant because he knew and trusted what he had with the Father and the Spirit. He has called us into the same generosity and empowered us with a relationship with the Father and the Spirit. How will we respond to him today? Indeed, how will we respond to him today? You know, first of all, I want to extend an invitation to those of us here today who don't believe in Jesus and want to begin that relationship. Or maybe you once enjoyed fellowship with God, you know, but you drifted away from it. If you'd like to pray a prayer that acknowledges your need for a saviour and to accept Jesus' love and grace, then I encourage you to come and meet me on the altar area after the service and we can pray together. Secondly, I would like us to share communion together. Yes, it's not communion Sunday. I really want us to share communion together today to remind ourselves that we are a loving, selfless Jesus community committed to loving fellowship with God and with one another. In our key verse, early believers shared meals and communion. Remembering what Jesus did for us together is so important. In Mark chapter 14, Verses 22 to 25, the gospel writer recounts the, the, the Lord's Supper. It says, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take it for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. There it is. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. I tell you the truth, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new in the kingdom of God. 
In this last meal with his disciples, Jesus shows us all the dimensions of fellowship, right? The disciples to himself, the disciples to one another, as well as Jesus obediently fulfilling the task his Father in heaven sent him to do. In the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible, the writers suggest that in the upper room, Jesus shared with his disciples a sacred love feast. I love that. The hearts of the Lord and his followers were knit together by a deep sense of love and commitment. Later, the disciples discovered that their own hearts were strongly united out of their common loyalty to Jesus. So beautiful. So let's take part in this sacred love feast today and be reminded of how we are knit together in fellowship with God and with one another. In a moment, why don't you eat and drink and then take just a few seconds to reflect and then we'll close in prayer together. I'll let you eat and drink and just take a moment to reflect. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the bread or the wafer that represents your body's sacrifice for us, for the wine or the juice that represents your blood poured out for us. Thank you, Lord. Lord, as we eat and drink, we remember that sacrifice that reunites us in fellowship with you and with one another. Thank you, Lord. Take that moment to reflect, church. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son, Jesus, to restore our fellowship with you and with one another. Thank you for creating us so we could experience the self-giving love you experience within yourself. Today, we pray that this information that we've heard, the Holy Spirit living in us, transforms into revelation. And we are inspired to jump into the river of generosity that flows in this fellowship, Lord. Every time we attempted to withhold ourselves or our staff or our time or hurt threatens to turn, offen- turn to offence and isolation, Lord, help us Jesus, to remember the offering of true love and grace, and that is forgiveness, Lord. Help us to reflect your love and goodness in fellowship that will show the world who you really are. We are so thankful for our church and that you are working within each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Kirsty. Thank you, Carmen. What an incredible message. Let's thank her this morning. Thank you. Fantastic. Is there more? Is there more or was that?